Okay. Welcome to the Idea Box Show, episode number 42 for Saturday, October 17th, 2015. I'm your host, Mary Morgan Ryan. I am a pre-K to 5 school librarian in the western suburbs of Chicago. And today I'm here with a rock star school librarian. Welcome to the show, Moira. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your school library. I'm a Vancouver, British Columbia teacher librarian, and I'm in a secondary school. It's a brand new school. We have a beautiful space with lots of big windows. Uh, so it's been a matter of adapting that to the learning commons and uh, getting a school ready for inquiry. Other than that, I'm um, on the executive of our Provincial Teacher Librarians Association. And I've just written a course that I'll be teaching online at UBC in January. Course in English. Oh, congratulations. Hmm. So Moira and I are really glad that you're here with us today on the Idea Box Show, which is a series of casual conversations with school librarians of all kinds, sharing ideas and expanding our personal learning networks. We explore the work that school librarians do every day, from teaching to technology and collaboration to collection development. So today we're here to talk about an inquiry model that Moira has developed um, with a group of school library teacher librarians from British Columbia. So that's the idea on the Idea Box show today. So Moira, tell us more about it. How did this um, how did this inquiry model come to be? Well, we had developed an inquiry model, but it had become dated in that it was very sequential. It began with, you know, well, it was lockstep sequential model, and we knew that it needed to be adapted to be uh, more flexible to allow for different speeds and different uh, styles of learning. And so a group of us formed what we called the InfoLit Task Force. Uh, there were four of us from around the province, and we probably only met two times, maybe three times a year. Uh, for four years, we picked through every document that we could find to um, from our various curricula documents to uh, the ASL standards to uh, reading program documents that were in use in the province uh, to pull out the intended learning outcomes that were process-oriented, skill-based. Um, and then once we had all that, of course, it became a matter of how do you organize this? Uh, how will we develop our model? And I will tell you that I've since encountered the advice, and I would offer the same advice, is, don't start out to create your own model because people have spent a very long time developing models. And uh, so actually what worked best for us was an adaptation of Barbara Stripling's model. Uh, she was most agreeable to our using it, very encouraging. And so that's how it came to be and that's what we did. Four years is an awfully long time. It's a labor of love, I suppose. Uh, it was certainly a, commission, a commitment, and uh, there were times when we faltered a bit on it, but it was, uh, we thought, important to do. To I'm curious, listening to that, and as such a long process with was four or five of you, did you, were you able to meet face-to-face, -face or how did, how did you collaborate with that? Did you email things back and forth? And there was some of that going on, but in fact, as a teacher librarian association, our executive meets um, three times a year, and we took advantage of all of those times with release time uh, in a, addition to uh, time to attend those executive meetings. Um, so that one of us didn't live in what we call the lower mainland around Vancouver. She lives quite far north. Um, so whenever she was in town was certainly important for us. And uh, then there would be tasked out uh, pieces. So, um, you know, there, there were periods where it just seemed like it was never going to end. And I think that the recognition that we needed to, to shape this around an existing model really helped us. 
And I think I gave that advice to anybody is choose the model that you think works best for you and then customize that, adapt that for your local curriculum needs. So you're in a secondary school, is that right? Yes. And so when you were developing this model with this group, was it intended to be the gamut of primary and secondary uh, students that it would apply to, or did you have a target yes. age A12. And so it had to be uh, developmental. It had to be benchmarked. Uh, we wanted to be able to say from kindergarten to grade three. We don't say third grade, by the way. We say grade three. So kindergarten to grade three, that primary level. It doesn't matter what order you do this in, but it would be useful to know that kids have uh, had practice doing these kinds of things. And then we use grade seven as a, another benchmark so that at that point, most of our students, many of our students in BC are entering. We, we don't really have, well, I, I don't know. Anyway, there are some middle schools and we haven't really adapted it around a middle school model. We used that grade seven, eight transition as a, a benchmark. And then we added, uh, there are actually four. I think we got to grade 10 and then grade 12. When they're going out the door, this is what we'd like to have them able to do. And of course it was developmental, but it was whatever they did in kindergarten, they would still be doing in, in grade 12. Right, just at a more age-appropriate level or on more age-appropriate topics, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking about this four-year process with your small group. How often did you check in or did you have a one point where you said, here's a draft for the wider world to look at or the larger group yeah. to look at? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we put it out for all to review. And um, what we created in the end and I think I've realized since it, it was kind of finalized is that it probably works best with teacher librarians and can be pretty overwhelming for classroom teachers trying to pick through um, what it is, you know, those bulleted learning outcomes. It's uh, probably not a good idea to use it to overwhelm teachers and we're just kind of realizing that now that we need to have some way of, of bringing the model and the particular skills to teachers around what they're doing specific to what they're doing and probably to have discussions within schools about where will these things be emphasized. Right, and you can begin to do that only because you have the model to, to start with. Right. 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 So um, that's background on how the model came to be and now I'm anxious to know the details of the model. So can you tell us about what you developed as a group? Yeah, give me a minute. Um, and while you, are you going to show us something on your screen? I am. I'm going to show All right, you. so while you're going to do that, I'm going to tell people that um, the Idea Box show has moved to a different, a new online home over the summer. Um, so go to www.ideaboxshow.com for all of our episodes and links to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. Um, we appreciate your support. One of the ways that you can support us is by rating us on iTunes. So go to www.ideaboxshow.com and click on the iTunes link. A little iTunes love goes a long way. Thanks for, for your support. All right, so Moira has now shared her screen. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, I'm in the process of putting together a, uh, oh, how I? <laughs> I can't get this into it. I'm seeing the, um, the I slideshow. I know. Oh, are you? Yeah. The whole screen? The anyway. whole screen. It okay. says inquiry and the points of inquiry model. Excellent. So I'm in the process, actually, of creating a workshop for our upcoming provincial conference. Uh, and um, we'll use some of this. It's not moving here. <laughs> you mean from slide to slide? Yeah. Yeah, it may be frozen. So if you want to um, stop screen sharing and start again, that might solve that problem. All right.
Now I see you again. So you're going to speak on this at a conference. That sounds great. Yeah. There we go. Really? <laughs> you're always so surprised. <laughs> I don't know what you're seeing. <laughs> I okay. see the slideshow. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to share with people the places where they connect to these uh, various publications and documents. Uh, probably the easiest thing is to search BCTF or the BC Teachers Federation, which supports our provincial association, the BCTLA, and publications. Those three terms searched will bring up um, will bring up this page, which has various connected documents. There's the points of inquiry model, and uh, you can download it from that page. Uh, various posters that we've used, probably English and French, uh, but probably not so well suited to upper intermediate and secondary. These ones are uh, missing the technology piece, which we think is really important, but they're darlings. So. <laughs> um, so Moira, we're going to put links to all of that also, in addition to, to showing it on screen, we're going to put it in our show notes. Okay. So um, I'll need your help with that after we stop recording. But okay. so um, it's Googleable, right? We could uh, yeah. Google points of inquiry model, uh, or we could um, get through it through the association website. Yeah. Okay. And so then... Um, on this one, it's a PDF document. This is the document. And uh, we are talking about revising and updating it. So I'll, I, I'm, I just have to interrupt. I am seeing your slideshow. If you're live on the web, I need you to share something right. else. OK. Let me just uh, escape then. I'm going to stop sharing that one. Mm -hmm. And we'll go directly to the document. That sounds good. Except I never know how to get out of this. There we are. You're, you're out. I'm out. Okay. So, uh, she's a pro, ladies and gentlemen. She's just not admitting it. <laughs> Here's the document. And you can see where, uh, in my scrolling through it, it, it can be a bit overwhelming. But it looks like this. Uh, it's the one that's BCTLA. Um, BC Teachers Federation identified here, BCTLA, um, and then uh, actually just the word points brings it up. This is our model. And what we did with the stripling model was eliminate one step. We wanted it to work K through 12, and we thought five steps was enough. And if they began in kindergarten by grade 12, they'd be really good at this. We wanted the words to be really concrete uh, and very clear. And so we put uh, the two stages of the stripling model, connect and wonder, as separate. We put them together. The process of having students connect with the information through their um, personal experience or through their, um, you know, the enhancement of background knowledge, and they're asking of questions to be an integrated process. Uh, so that was uh, our model. And so you came up with five steps, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, and then, are you getting the document on page now? No. Now I'm I'm going to screen share because I think I want you to see this because your your screen sharing isn't quite working, but I think mine is. So if you look at the Google Hangout window now, you should see the star. That's the points of inquiry. I think that must be the. Um, the image that you've chosen for your model. Yes, that's right. Right. So I'm I'm screen sharing, and you can direct me. Um, and what I'm looking at is um, a graphic that shows a, a five-pointed star, and it starts well. The top, like the twelve o'clock position, is um, connect and wonder. And then we move to investigate. And then what does that one say? It should say construct. 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 Yes, sorry. Express and reflect. Right. So it's a circular model. So can you take us through those those five points on the star a little bit? Yeah. Um, 
as I said, we put the connect and wonder thing together as more of an integrated process that as children connect, they're, they're also wondering and asking questions. Uh, the other piece of this is that it's not just about research, it's also about reading for deeper understanding that we read in this process as well, as well when we're reading to really deeply understand. Not just reading for information, but for deep understanding. And those two processes, Stripling separates and also they're, they're deeply embedded in each other. You can't engage in the research without uh, being able to read and, and so on. Uh, at any point in this time, and that's why it is about points of inquiry, uh, you can actually begin anywhere and end anywhere if in fact all you want to do is uh, create a draft. That's perfectly okay. That can be your end product. Um, but at any point you would want to be able to reflect. So the star, which uh, we have, it in fact enables that understanding that you can move to reflect now. You don't have to go through the first four steps before you reflect on it. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, so <laughs> am I understanding that the points of the star then sort of create a line between connect yeah. and wonder and express? Yeah. Oh, that is Brilliant, Moira. So now I understand as a user of this model that I can move from investigate to express, or I can move from reflect back to construct. Yeah, yeah. and it's oh, love it. that reflect part. You would want at all kinds of stages to be thinking deeply about, have I got enough information? Uh, is this answering the question that I had? Uh, is there a better way to construct the meaning here? Um, is the poster the best way to put this information out, or should I be looking at um, at something else for sharing it? So it is a uh, it, it is a a more flexible model than I I love it. Now that I see this graphic and you explain uh, those connections and the circular nature of it to me, yeah. that's that's wonderful. And if you can. What, what it strikes me that you're helping students really um, understand their thinking process. Yeah. You know, oh my goodness, by by wondering what you just said, reflecting and saying, you know, maybe a poster isn't the best way to, to present this, then you're helping them understand that, oh my goodness, I just reflected and now yeah. I'm going to move back to uh, express or, or something like that. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I guess the other thing about the star is that we sort of saw that we were building little uh, stars in terms of using and presenting information and uh, new learning, right? And that it had some implications about succeeding as a learner. Yes. All right, so if I'm sharing this, is this the, um, the page that you were showing, that you were talking about before? Did I go to the right place? Um, Can you see me, my screen share on the Google Hangout page? You're looking at just the model. I want the PDF document, uh, which you might need to download. Let me okay. see. If you scroll down, I think it's the download one up there, that, above that. Right here. Points of inquiry. Should I do download? Beautiful. Thanks. I'm going to download that and open it up because my screen share seems to be behaving yep. better than yours today. Perfect. All right. So tell me what you want me to, to look at. Um, I think if you move through, there's a preliminary discussion of why uh, we, uh, and the process that we went through, why we were doing it. Um, right. What does it mean to be information literate in today's world? And that's where you, you, um, write about the that you looked at stripling's model yeah right uh if you can with the next one uh, just scroll back to page five uh -huh. um, what are the implications for teaching and learning yeah yeah having kids ask the questions construct new meaning uh, all of that was and reflect as critical thinkers so then, um, teaching as well as student learning has evolved as a result of um, 
the information society. So teachers are moving to the side. They're scaffolding the learning. They're providing the feedback, um, encouraging the students to become more authority for their more authoritative for their work. Um, and this can be quite a difficult thing. I, I think you probably have encountered the fact that, that a lot of teachers fear this this uh, move to the side, actually. It, it's quite difficult uh, if you're, um, especially when you're new to a school and you haven't developed the relationship that teachers you work with need to have. We've decided it probably takes about five years to be able to successfully implement based on that trust that you get with collaboration over time. I completely agree with you. It's a difficult concept. It, it's sort of a, a leap of faith, you know, to, to try it and yeah. to watch it su su succeed. And then when I'm looking at this text right here that we're talking about in um, the model about the changing role of the teacher, it brings to mind the um, Danielson framework, which I know quite a few teachers in the United States are um, being evaluated on. And it's a, it's a rubric for evaluating teachers. And the highest level um, that you can attain in, in being evaluated on Danielson is when your students take ownership of their learning and your students take ownership of classroom behavior and your students take ownership of you know, pride in their work and pride in their school. Um, and this is exactly you know, what, what you're aiming for with your inquiry model. Yep. It's really interesting to have it dovetail that way. It follows an earlier document out of the 90s here in British Columbia where we were developing independent learners uh, so that um, at least one of the members of our group had worked on the developing independent learners. We moved to that research quest model and this one we, we looked at it being more uh, flexible. Mm -hmm. So here you're going to be uh, using an inquiry model with multiple resources, supportive environment, and uh, many of our schools now are, are building the learning commons environments in which uh, there's that kind of flexibility built into them. Can we talk for a minute about the multiple resources? I, I work in an elementary school, um, and so I work with children up to age 10 or 11, um, but I know this can be a struggle for students of all ages is um, that multiple resource um, synthesizing things from multiple resources, um, mm -hmm. especially if those sources may not agree with each other or may not all um, contain all of the information that you're looking for. So where in your model do students wrestle with that and how, um, how can this model sort of help address that? I think it's all part of that investigative process, um, that question around do I have enough information and is my information credible and reliable? Uh, you know, I'm grappling even now with, uh, in a very academic school with uh, the tendency to use Wikipedia as, as a source and if it's not Wikipedia, where do I go from here? Um, oh, we're all grappling with that. Yeah, I, sure. I, I had a conversation with a colleague about Google, and I said, you know, not all truth lies in Google, but it's um, it's available, and that's often uh, well, it's fast. It's free and it's fast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so I have moved down through the model. I'm looking at. Um, this first point on the star, or the one of the points on the star, um, yeah. the connect and wonder point. And I'm seeing that you've got things um, split out by grade level, K to three, four to seven, and eight to 12, which is what you were talking about earlier. Um, and so tell me about the difference between what you're talking about with inquiry-based reading and inquiry-based learning. Uh, well, I think if you follow it through, you can see that there's a particular set of skills that we develop in uh, elementary school, and I think most people do develop these skills 
uh, by grade the end of grade three, you want them to use their prior knowledge and personal experience in understanding what they're reading, which can be fiction or nonfiction. They're using pictures, they're using strategies that connect, infer, visualize, and they're asking questions. Um, now, all of that is also integrated into any kind of research that they're doing, not necessarily all of it being highlighted in an activity. Uh, you may want to highlight using pictures, for example, to predict content or um, make connections might be the, the highlight of the reading skill that you're working on as you're researching uh, butterflies. And at this point, I'm not talking inquiry, am I? Uh, it's just reducing it to research. The difficulty becomes now in turning research into inquiry with that deeper questioning and student-driven uh, questions. Now, that, generally speaking, at the K-3 stage would have to be quite strongly supported by teachers. They're learning to do that and ask meaningful questions that they're going to find answers to, right? So then, uh, what we understand would be that by grade three, if they're able to, we would like to be able to assume they're able to do this, but it doesn't stop there from four to seven, they're doing all that they did in K to three at a more sophisticated level, plus adding these uh, other, um, other bulleted outcomes. And these are skills, really. Uh, the connecting text to self, etc. cetera, uh, recognizing variations in stories and recognizing the difference in interpretations even as while they're working through inquiry, uh, research as, as inquiry, they're predicting and hypothesizing and so on. So one ask, of them ask is, a, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. One of the part of it is that they have to be able to get better at reading as they get better at inquiry. You can't really separate inquiry learning from being able to read. And then, uh, I guess on the grade 8 to 12, you know, you can't look at that and say, oh, good, I don't have to worry about this. <laughs> K to 7 just applies this 8 to 12, right? Yes. Love it. And then, oh, this is so helpful for all of us in that um, for each point of your model, you've included tools and strategies. So, how, all right, if I want to work on connecting and wondering, you know, what are some of the things, um, and you have it, you have instructional strategies, assessment strategies, and tech tools, which yes. is just so helpful, so helpful. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And so then you have that sort of delineation, and I, I, I really hadn't thought about putting inquiry-based reading and inquiry-based learning, you know, side by side like this, but it makes so much sense. Um, you know, as your reading skills get stronger, you're able to do more intensive inquiry. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was working through, and I think in this book, which can be downloaded, uh, we identified the article that we used from Stripling, and I think it was uh, using uh, inquiry to explode myths about, and I actually don't have a print document, but um, it's there that she identifies clearly the, the, the strong, connection that if we try to put all that together we're missing the fact that some of that is really about reading so um and again it's that reading for deeper understanding mm -hmm. uh, and i can see looking at the model um i think you referenced a little earlier i can see looking at the model that um i i think i agree with you it might be a little overwhelming for classroom teachers to say oh my goodness <laughs> How am I supposed yes. to do all this? And then when you look at it a little more deeply, you realize, well, you're already doing a lot of this in your, in your actually, reading instruction. I actually don't think any good lesson happens that doesn't have an inquiry base to it, that you don't begin the lesson with connect to, without having kids. A good lesson begins with 
making sure they're connected and asking questions to drive them forward to some kind of investigation, even if it's just reading a passage of text in order to be able to construct their meaning, uh, express could be share it with a partner and all the time be thinking about what you're doing. Um, that's my view of things. A good lesson should reflect an inquiry model. Mm -hmm. You're right, because a lot of times we do start out with something that um, catches their attention. What I find is, is difficult um, in the busy days that we have in schools today is to make sure that we um, loop back. You know, it's, it's very easy to, to say, let's generate some questions for inquiry and, and, and think about it. Um, it's harder to, I think, make the time to allow students to move through that model. You know, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm interested in learning more about this. Well, you know, I'm, sometimes we have to move on uh, yeah. and we don't have the time to do that. And, and that's where I feel like uh, in my teaching, in my school life, we run into problems because we have other standards that we have to um, move on to. And I, I, I guess where I wrestle is, of course, if we stopped and did the inquiry, we'd be covering a lot of those standards. Um, it's just, it's hard to move into the inquiry model in a lot of ways. Uh, there's yeah. another piece that I think, you know, if I had other things that I've come to recognize is that it doesn't need always to be a full inquiry. If teachers in classrooms are teaching those skills, and they are, and they're identified as being requisite to successful inquiry, then the partnership is twofold, and the responsibility for moving kids along that spectrum is, is shared. Uh, so that there is that kind of looping back. We're doing, you know, remember when we did, says the classroom teachers, it's that kind of dialogue that's important to take pieces of this and make sure that they're used even on a daily basis. So let me ask you a question from a library collection point of view. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that has this, this issue, but uh, when we do inquiry-based projects, sometimes what happens is every student's inquiry leads them in a different direction and I don't always have reading level appropriate, age appropriate resources at my fingertips to support 25 kids' different ideas of what they're interested in learning about. Um, do you have that problem ever? Yes. <laughs> Let me give you the worst example. It's, okay. it's, you know, I'm a product of the era of advanced feminism. I strongly believe in the um, in the importance of feminizing, for example, the figures of the Renaissance that our young youngest high school students look at. But when I see the lists of you know Michelangelo, uh, Da Vinci, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and then two or three women are added, there's no information that you can find readily. It makes the assignment doing Michelangelo ten times easier than it is doing um, uh, Gentileschi. I forget her first name, but anyway, I always feel like, oh no, don't feminize it because some poor girl is going to go around looking for three bits of information. It's not going to work. So I think if it's not going to work, by the time the students into the investigate process, they need to reflect and go back and find one that has some information because otherwise it's horrible. I just, okay. you know, I've got so, the post-feminist point of saying, let's not bother. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So what I would do is I would investigate and then I would realize, I would reflect and realize, you know what, there's not enough information out yeah. here for me to really conduct a good inquiry. That's a great answer because it's so sad, you know, when a child is, is really interested in something, um, for me to have to say, you know what, sweetie, I just, I don't have good articles for you to read and I don't have a print book for you to read about that topic. 
Yeah. So, and that's another just sort of thing that I think we all wrestle with when we're working with uh, inquiry learning. Yeah. I and like that. Though. Let's reflect and let's <laughs> let's readjust. <laughs> let's think of another question. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and you know, sometimes right. you can guide that just a little, knowing what material you have available. So, you know, it's. Uh, I've I've learned from experience there, and I wish sometimes that when teachers are crafting assignments, so they arrive and say, you know, this is what we're going to do, and these are their choices. Sometimes I've seen huge, huge imbalances right off the bat. You know, that mean that one poor child will be chasing three elusive facts, while another one's got a whole body of of information to work with, and it it. It can be much more fun when there's too much than too little. Yes, yes. In fact, we are, yes, I'm running into that with um, artists. We are working with our fifth grade on an artist biography project. And, you know, it's my job to make sure that everybody has some sort of resources available um, for them. And I'm struggling a little with a couple of the artists. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> the life of a, of a teacher librarian, I suppose. Yeah. So I'm loving this document that I can easily find and download that introduces me to the background of your model and, um, you know, like the um, the uh, icon, the, the image of the star that really helps me understand it. Um, and it gives me, let's say I wanted to um, adapt this or start using, you know, this kind of um, stuff in my teaching. Um, I have all the background, you know, if a teacher or an administrator had a question about what I was doing, um, I've got this wonderful document that shows how this was developed, what's the thinking behind it, and um, more than that, it helps me as a teacher because I've got assessment strategies, instructional strategies, and tech tools to use for every step along the way. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and I'll tell you what we did do. So glad we all get to benefit from your hard work. There is that other uh, points document that is available through, uh, and I, I'm reluctant to try to bring it up. The um, there's a document package in Yampu in which we we uh, should I try that one more time? Do you think? Yes, or are we please do. Please do. Let's show it. And Yampu is a an online um, tool that lets you present something in magazine form, I believe. And so yeah. you've chosen that, and you've put a whole booklet of information, a magazine of information up um, that all of us can freely access. And the, the link to that will be in the show notes if anyone's listening um, on the audio and you want more information. We're going to have all the links that um, Moira is mentioning um, in the show notes for you. So she's now going to screen share the, um, the Yumpy page. <laughs> Am I? She's uh, working on it. Oh, my God. Where'd it go? There we go. Mm -mm. It's not coming. I don't understand this. I wonder if I can do it, but I don't know how to find that Yumpu page. Uh, you're not seeing this Yumpu page, are you? I'm seeing you. Okay, sorry. Let's not do this. <laughs> I'm about to. Uh, no, it gets frustrating. Um, if I back in the PowerPoint and uh, yes. look at this, that's the one that lists the document. And if I, are you seeing that? I see your slide. Your slide is that a live link? Can you just kind of go to it, it is with live. us? Yes. So uh, the points of inquiry full document is there, but beneath it is the uh, support documents that I've just developed, um, which gives the, I love this because it gives you the two-page spread. Um, See, now which, I'm still seeing your screen share. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm still seeing your slideshow. Are you? Yeah. So I didn't travel with you, I think, when you went to the live. Um, Yumpu page. Okay. So we're just going to put that in the show notes and chalk that up to right. uh, screen share not being our friend today. 
All right. So while I'm, I am not able to show it, what you will see with that is a foundational inquiry model that actually puts it in terms that I think classroom teachers can understand readily. Oh, good. Uh, two pages that say, uh, essentially, at the connect and wonder stage when they're learning to read, and I'll just uh, when they're learning to read deeply for understanding. Here's what I've written, and it's the K through 12. Um, students make deep connections to their own lives and the world they live in. They can do this by using prior knowledge, personal experience, and strategies like questioning and predicting. They become more sophisticated at exploring and responding to literary interpretation, recognizing key elements of, as well as similarities, differences, and variations between and amongst stories. And that summarizes the whole K through 12. I think that uh, those two pages are useful for promoting the model. There's also another one uh, that's contained here, again, a two-page spread that tells you what the students are doing and what the teachers are doing at each stage. So at the Connect and Wonder stage, for example, the students are connecting the inquiry topic to what they already know, to themselves, to the ideas of others. They're building the background knowledge and they're asking questions and making predictions. What are the teachers doing? They're helping students build the connections and background knowledge, providing a context for learning through language, developing content-specific vocabulary and knowledge of text from structures uh, and patterns, and tying the learning to curriculum. And that's the Connect and Wonder stage. There's also some strategies listed with each of those. So that, I think, is actually a helpful document as well. I agree. That's really nice. Uh, you know, it it kind of gives us the model in a nutshell. Yeah, and then the last part is putting all the grade three learning uh, outcomes on one page, grade K to three, and all of the grade four to seven learning outcomes on one page, and again, all of the grade uh, eight to 12 on one page. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. There are so many resources about this model, which is, again, uh, we need to remind people it's called the points of inquiry model, right? So if we Google points of inquiry and BCTLA for British Columbia Teacher Librarian Association, am I right? Yep. Yep. We can find a whole lot or you can, um, you know, come to our show notes and find all of that. So you know what, Moira, usually at this point I would ask, um, do you have any recommendations for people who want to use your idea? And I think the recommendation is, you know, look at all of these, um, the first step would be to, to take advantage of all the resources you're providing. I was just uh, looking at all the posters. I mean, you have done everything we need to be able to step in and start using this model, which is just, okay, I'm going to say thank you again. That's awesome. And thank your team. Um, and then I usually ask, how are you sharing this out with your community? And you've done such a marvelous job already of posting so many resources for us to start using, and you mentioned that you're going to be sharing it out at a conference. Can you tell us about the conference? Well, we're getting new curriculum in British Columbia, which eliminates largely what for each year, each subject would be about 200 and some bulleted learning outcomes, of which we picked some, but they still apply. Those are the process goals, and you don't eliminate those. So I now have to work uh, through how do we, uh, there was a workshop given recently at a regional uh, ASL meeting here in the Pacific Northwest, actually in Washington, uh, on becoming essential for teacher librarians. And that's kind of what I see in a more concept-based curriculum with big ideas and room for, you know, instead of the, and I helped write the social studies curriculum uh, in the old version, so I'm I'm delighted to see the elimination of 200 bulleted learning outcomes, the focus on concepts, on big ideas, so that we're no longer mile wide, inch deep, but we're able to go more deeply. Uh, and I see teacher librarians as being really uh, important. Uh, so it's pitching the becoming essential notion that, um, and then again. 
it, it's going gently. It doesn't have to be a big full-scale inquiry. Uh, you know, it needs to be that partnership where some of it is is built in the classrooms, and we're just reinforcing and and using common language that helps as well. That does help a lot as well, right? And those of us in the, uh, the states who are um, using the Common Core state standards, there's an emphasis in the Common Core on short research projects. So. Uh, sort of gone are the days of three month long endless explorations of the same topic, which yeah. is um, lovely for all concerned, <laughs> I think. I also wanted to emphasize with my course, I discovered a body of work um, which is published over several years in School Library Monthly. Uh, and the author of these articles, uh, which are called Nudging Toward Inquiry which I love it. It's a gentle notion. <laughs> you know, a lot of people aren't going to jump in here. You've got to go slowly and you've got to go gently. But Kristen Fonticchiaro has written this body of um, articles that are fantastic. And they offer ways of taking people gently through some of it. Um, the article I'm looking at now is What's Inquiry? Well, I know it when I see it. Um, but little bits, and there are ideas that come from, from the field, from practitioners on how to um, embed the skills and the notion. I also think it's important to build within a school that culture of inquiry, and it's particularly important in my school where the kids are very focused. Um, they'll learn whatever you put in front of them, give them a break, and they'll go somewhere and do some more learning. Uh, but how do we get them asking those questions, the uh, important questions? Um, we heard from UBC faculty recently that, uh, you know, kids arrive and they're not asking the kinds of questions you need to, to become a scientist. So um, it's that kind of thing, building the scientific literacy and the culture of inquiry. Wonderful. So that is going to wrap up our discussion of your idea, which is your fabulous uh, points of inquiry model that you developed with a group of other teacher librarians. And so um, just given that last thing that you mentioned, I wonder if you wouldn't mind putting a reference to that series of articles in the show yeah. notes um, along with the other links so that if people are interested in following up on that, that would, that would really help them. So we're going to move on. Okay, I use great. them a lot, and I will be using them for the workshop that I'm going to do. <laughs> so we're going to move on to our shout-out segment. Um, and I am so excited. I've been working this week um, in preparation for the American Association of School Librarians National Conference, which is happening um, in early November in Columbus, Ohio. And I need to give a shout out to Allison Klein. She is Deputy Executive Director of AASL, and she um, and I have been working together to develop a model makerspace in the um, exhibit hall of um, the conference. So if you're at the conference, please come and stop by in the exhibit hall, our model makerspace. It's going to be really exciting. Um, and along those lines, I need to give a shout out to Brian Pitchman of the Evolve Project. Um, it's really worth your time if you are a librarian to go and visit the homepage of evolveproject.com. Um, Brian is a library enthusiast who also has connections with many um, startup companies. And what he does is try to build connections between those uh, two entities and help libraries build makerspaces and fab labs. And it's just such a wonderful thing that Brian and Allison have um, pitched in to work together to help me build this model makerspace. It's just going to be a great thing. So shout out to both of them. Um, Moira, did you have anyone that you would like to give a shout out to today? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much to uh, our president, Heather Daly, for uh, all the work she's been doing to organize our provincial conference next Friday and for her support through the development of that project, uh, providing us with the least time and encouragement to continue and other projects. So that's certainly been important. Yay, that is really important work. Mm -hmm. um, and 
So we have just a minute to share news or tips or what are you reading. Um, so in addition to um, making sure that everybody knows about the National AASL Conference and the Model Makerspace and the Exhibit Hall, um, I want to let everybody know that uh, registration is starting on this Monday, so it will be open when you listen to this, for um, a global collaboration project that I work on. It's called If You Learned Here. Um, you can uh, find the registration link tweeted out on the hashtag if you learned here um, or you can go to our project website if you learned here.weebly.com it's a phenomenal if I do say so myself uh, global collaboration project last year we had um, over 70 schools from uh, 20 different countries around the world participate and um, love to have teacher librarian involvement in that global collaboration um, so register your school if your school would like to participate. And how about you, Moira? Is there are there news or tips, or do you have a book you're reading that you'd like to share with us? Um, I'm uh, very deep in crime novels at the moment. Oh. <laughs> offset to the um, no, I my recommendation was read Fontecchiaro. Actually, that was uh, my great. I discovery. think that's great. Yeah. Good tip. And so we'll be sure to put something, um, you know, helping people find that in the show notes. So that's going to close the book on this episode of the Idea Box Show. Um, a big thanks to Moira Ekdahl, our guest this week. Moira, where can people find you online? I have a blog, um, the TL Special Weekly Report, which I haven't been keeping up because I've been moving quickly from. Uh, a previous school to this one and writing the course as well and I will be getting back to that soon I have I tweet sometimes more prolifically than others um, at TL special and I we've going to post my gmail account so um, that's great and I sure wish I was going to the ASL conference I got to go to Minneapolis and we gave a workshop it was great it was a uh, British Columbia, Washington State collaboration on do we level or not uh, in Minneapolis. Wow. I would love to be going, but uh, I'm no longer working at our school board. So that, that's a term position, and I'm very happy in this new setting. So, Well, you can, I'm sure, follow the tweets and, you know, do some learning from afar. So that'll be great. This is my first conference, AASL National Conference, so I'm really Amazing. excited. Amazing. So you can find me on Twitter at, at mmorganryan, and be sure to visit www.ideaboxshow.com to find all of our episodes and the links to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So spread the word. Thanks for joining us to learn new ideas.